The good news is finally here. Friends, listen to me. This is serious business. What the world needs today is Jesus. The Bible says in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Big Batista, along with Nathan Jones, and we welcome you to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free, as we have a great topic prepared for you today, as we're going to be talking about Babylon, the sword. So we ask that you stay tuned to today's program. And if you have a Bible, we'd love for you to get your Bible ready and follow along with us in today's study. But before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host, Nathan Jones, if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, again, we are so blessed to have, be able to study your word as we go through Ezekiel chapter 21. We thank you, Lord, for your great power and majesty that's portrayed in this passage. And we pray that all those who are tuned in, Lord, will witness that power and majesty one day soon. Uh, Lord, we look forward to your return. We thank you, Lord, for loving us and saving us. We pray that you'll bless this conversation for your honor and glory. Amen. Amen. Again, you tuned into your truth to set you free Bible prophecy edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones. Again, as we are looking at the wonderful book of Ezekiel with a message titled The Babylon, Babylon the Sword. And for those of you following us on social media, we'd love for you to share this program with your friends and family so they can also follow along with us. But before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host to the program, Nathan Jones. Nate, it's great to have you on. Hey, brother, always good to be on. And uh, for folks, I, I do apologize. Uh, uh, as the date of this recording, there's an ice storm here in Texas. And so I'm away from my normal studio with my normal mic. And so if it sounds a little ambient there, I do apologize. Hopefully this storm will pass and I'll be back in front of my regular mic again. And you can hear me just a little better. So uh, thank you for uh, putting up with this uh, temporary problem. But we're looking forward for the ice storm to pass and uh, everything to thaw out here in Texas. Uh, how about yep. you, Vic? Everything great in Florida? Actually, Nathan, I'm not in an igloo like you, but thank you for your faithfulness, okay? Yeah. Well, you live in Florida, so the only thing you have to worry about, well, is all the hurricanes well, you're having. So God bless you, man. You've been through a few this year, haven't you? We have, Nathan. It's actually a little warm here in Florida right now, which is rare because it, the temperature continues to jump up and down. But um, when you tell me that there's, a, that, that there's snow in Texas, somehow I just cannot wrap my head around that, you know, especially for the season. Yeah, it's a, it tends to be a very warm state, especially in the summer. But we get winters like everybody else. And we, while we don't get snow very often, we get ice storms. And uh, February is the time of year for ice storms here in Texas. And we got one. <laughs> Wow, that is well. I'm so glad that we're able to do this program uninterrupted, and uh, I know people will understand uh, that that's technology, Nathan, and uh, we're so excited for that. But Nathan, also talking about technology, will you be able to share with individuals how they can use their technology to grab hold of the resources that the ministry has to share? That's a very good segue, Vic. Uh, yes, uh, folks. Well, if you're tuned in, uh, this is the truth will set you free. It's the podcast ministry of Lamb and Lion Ministries. If you're not familiar with Lamb and Lion Ministries, we're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry, and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. And folks, uh, you can connect with us through our Lamb Lion app, download it on all the major devices. We also have a great website called ChristInProphecy.org. We have our Christ in Prophecy YouTube channel. 
You can catch our Christ and Prophecy television show, not only on our YouTube channel, but also on his channel and Rumble and uh, other venues. And of course, if you watch television over regularly, you can find us on Daystar and, and other networks as well. And uh, for many folks, uh, Pray.com, uh, where that's one of our newest venues that we're reaching out on. So we hope that you can connect with the uh, Lamb and Lion Ministers. We'd love you to to get you excited about Jesus' soon return just as much as Vic and me and Tim and Dr. Reagan, all of us evangelists here are about the Lord's return. Oh, Nathan, just amazing. So yeah, grab hold of these resources, use the technology in your hands to be able to educate yourself and grow uh, in Bible prophecy. And Nathan, I was gonna ask you too, do you make it out to the movies much? Uh, because there was this amazing movie that just came out and uh, you had an opportunity to review it, uh, Left Behind. Yeah, well, you got to as well. Uh, Vic and I were blessed. Uh, the good folks that left behind were uh, wanting uh, different Bible prophecy ministries to preview it. So Vic and I were blessed to get the rough cut. And uh, it was rough, but uh, it was kind of neat to see, you know, the characters tapping on green screens and microphones popping into scenes and drones and things that they would edit out later. Uh, but uh, boy, uh, the Left Behind movie, I think, hit the country in, by a storm. It highly highly uh, good quality a lot of people i've heard uh, loved it i loved it and i think it's going to be a great outreach it's a reimagining of the original left behind series from the 90s it's very true to the tim lahey and jerry b jenkins book except that it modernizes the politics involved in the technology and uh, i just it was really blessed had a really strong gospel message throughout uh, it ends with kevin sorbo talking about the pre-trib rapture and Governor Mike Huckabee giving the gospel message. So uh, it was so well received, it's supposed to air again. And of course, it'll be on uh, major TV networks and uh, uh, streaming and DVDs. So folks, if, if you haven't had a chance to see the new Left Behind movie with Kevin Sorbo, I know Vic and I highly recommend it. Nathan, yes. And it's, it's also a wonderful opportunity to go out and see a clean, nice movie, nothing to worry about, uh, invite friends and family. And, and you just don't find that many movies these days which have a wonderful message, but are also clean and family oriented. So we would definitely encourage anyone, hey, make it a date night, a family night and go check it out. Right, Nathan? Absolutely. Yeah, you're you're not kidding. Even children's programming has become so worldly. And so that it's nice to see a Christian movie and that's not cheesy and not low budget. Uh, this movie did have a huge budget, but they did very well with what they had. And, you know, you felt that it was well done. It's with people who've been in the industry for decades, strong Christians who were acting the parts. And it was just really well done. I was so glad to see a Christian movie well done, kind of in the same vein as God's Not Dead, you know, that kind of quality. And it teaches about the rapture of the church. And there's so many today who reject the teaching of the rapture of the church, something Titus 2.13 calls our blessed hope. It's meant to give Christians encouragement. So if you're down about this day and age, go see the Left Behind movie. I think you'll leave encouraged that the gospel is still going out there and still going strong and people are getting saved. Absolutely. That is fantastic. Thank you so much, Nate. And yeah, the good news is, is something that uh, we need. We need to be encouraged because there's always so many challenges and so many things happening around the world. Uh, you and I have been making our way, Nathan, through uh, the book of Ezekiel, and we've seen uh, the bad news that had to be delivered uh, to the Jewish people. But that was because they were not obeying God. They were, in a sense, turning their backs on God. 
And uh, in our in one of the previous programs that you and I did, uh, we found a dramatic scene in Ezekiel chapter 21, verses 14 through 17, where the prophet Ezekiel is told uh, to strike his palms and strike his hands uh, and bring this message that a sword was coming. And today, Nathan, I believe it's the same thing. We continue to do that to get people's attention to recognize uh, what's happening around the world. And we, God's people, we need to be lining up with what the Bible says. Otherwise, uh, that sword is coming as the Bible prophesies in the last days. So Nathan, for someone who's maybe new and they were not part of our previous programs in Ezekiel chapter 21, uh, can you be, give us a, a quick recap? So maybe someone who's new to this chapter? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we're down to... Uh 586 BC, we're getting to the very end of the nation of Judah. Uh, the ten tribes, the northern tribes of Israel, were exiled to by the Assyrians in 722 BC. So we're about 2,600 years now. Uh, the Lord had given extra time to the nation of Judah. They had good kings, but they had bad kings as well. Uh, the people would sometimes stay with the Lord, but for the most part, they became as evil as the nations around them. And since they carried the Lord's name, it was a travesty. It was an abomination. And the Lord says, you know, I need to refine you. I need a believing remnant who can be brought back to the land of Israel and bring it back to being my people again. So what he's going to do, and he used wars and famines and uh, a political intrigue and problems all throughout Israel's history to get them to come back to him. Finally, as Moses prophesied at the end of Deuteronomy, this is it. The Jewish people are going into exile, and they're going to be overrun by the Babylonians, but, and he shows here in Ezekiel 21, it's really the Lord working through the Babylonians, and he compares himself and the Babylonians to his sword of righteousness, and that's where we're at right now. The, the very end of the Jewish people being able to rule over themselves it, it's finally coming to an end. The scepter is going to depart from Israel, and uh, they will from then on be overrun and ruled by foreign Gentile nations. Nathan, I love that. And, and, all, and, and all throughout this passage, they were talking about this sword that was coming. But now when we get to verse 18, it begins to give a name to what that is. Oftentimes when people hear about a, a sword being unsheathed and taken out, immediately we come to something like the Lord of the Rings, right, Nathan, with the swords. <laughs> yeah. the, it's got that the feel, doesn't it? <laughs> Kind of like the deep, you know, that they're behind their walls and the army of orcs is bigger than they can handle. And the orcs breach the first wall and then they breach the second and then they get into the inner court. And, you know, unless a miracle happens, all the humans will be killed. And that's kind of like we're at here, except there is no Gandalf and an extra army ready to show up and help them. It's the Lord himself coming against his own people. There's no way the Jews are going to be able to prevail against the sword of the Lord. I love that. And that's what we're going to pick it up in Ezekiel chapter 21. They're beginning on verse 18. And we want to encourage those of you that are part of the program, get your Bibles ready and follow along with us as we look at Ezekiel chapter 18, the sword that is coming. And then we'll see the purpose why this sword is coming. So as we notice there, Ezekiel 21 verses 18. Nathan, will you be able to pick us up there in verses 18 through 20? And then I'll take 21 through 23. Absolutely. And when Vic and I say we love this, we're not saying we love that Israel is being destroyed, but we love that God is using his redemptive hand to bring a remnant 
to come to salvation through this tumultuous time. So that's what Vic and I are loving, so please don't get us wrong. But I'll pick it up in verse 18. The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, And son of man, appoint for yourself two ways for the sword of the king of Babylon to go. Both of them shall go from the same land. Make a sign. Put it at the head of the road to the city. Appoint a road for the sword to go to Rabbah of the Amorites and to Judah and to fortify Jerusalem. Verse 21, for the king of Babylon stands at the parting of the road, at the fork of the two roads. To use a, a, a divination, he shakes the arrows, he consults the images, he looks at the liver. In his right hand is the divination of Jerusalem to set up battering rams, to call for slaughter, to lift the voice with shouting, to set bitter rams against the gates, to heap up a siege mound and to build a wall. Verse 23, and it will be to them like a false divination in the eyes of those who have sworn oaths with them. But he will bring their iniquity to the remembrance that they may be taken. So Nathan, and here it is. Uh, this is God is allowing this to happen. And he gives us details here. Why? Yeah, we read in the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel being contemporary of Ezekiel and Jeremiah, although a little later, is that uh, uh, Babylon was absolutely filled with wickedness and pagan deities. And the people there worshipped every kind of pagan god, and only Daniel was really stood for the Lord, according also with um, his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so what we're seeing here is we're seeing a pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, and <clears throat> they would always be seeking to know about the future, and they'd use divination. So here we've got the, he looks at the liver, they would take an animal's liver, like a sheep or a goat, and they cut the animal and they they tried to his diviners his sorcerers would look at the liver and see what shape and hope that gives them guidance for the future he he shakes arrows and throws them out and see which direction they come and his diviners sit there and try to interpret it they consult images uh images being um teraphim is the hebrew word for that uh idols so basically we're showing here that what this happens this evil king is coming he's using divination and sorcery witchcraft and trying to figure out which direction should he go, you know, should he go to Rabbah of the Amorites, or should he go to Judah and destroy Jerusalem? Well, God has already told the people of Judah that Babylon is coming to them, and he's going to destroy them and put bring them into exile. So uh, this divination, uh, no matter what it turns out, the Lord will be directing Nebuchadnezzar to go to Jerusalem. Nathan, I love that. And this is here we find again as uh, in history that God will use pagan nations oftentimes to correct uh, God's people. And this is one of those examples, right, Nathan, where God is bringing about this sword uh, in the form of the nation of Babylon to bring them to captivity because God's people have turned into idolatry and turned away from God. And, and verse 24 of Ezekiel 21 uh, gives us the reason why all this is happening. It says, therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have made your your iniquity to be remembered in that your transgressions are uncovered so that in all your doings, your sins appear because you have come to remembrance. You shall be taken in hand. Isn't that amazing, Nathan? Yeah. I, and you got to go back a few chapters where the elders of Jerusalem and called Ezekiel and said, okay, speak to God for us. You know, after ignoring God for hundreds of years, they're finally turning to God because, you know, they believe that God is in the temple and no one would ever attack Jerusalem because God's in his temple. And God says they will if I say they will. And 
sure enough, and he's, he's going to use a people which the Israelites considered even more evil, and this is what Habakkuk had to deal with. You know, you're going to use a people more evil than we are to punish us, and yes, the Lord will do that. Now, what the Lord does is that he will punish the people that punish Israel for punishing Israel. Isn't that interesting? So by Nebuchadnezzar and his people coming down to destroy Israel in a judgment that God is behind, he will later in another generation destroy the Babylonians by, with the Medo-Persians as punishment for attacking Jerusalem. He will also destroy the Edomites for helping them destroy Jerusalem. So uh, the Lord won't let all these evil people go unpunished, but he will at times sometimes use evil nations to punish the, those who follow him for the purpose of restoring them, making them repent and bring them down to their knees and having them humble themselves and turn back to him. And that's what we're seeing in Israel's history at this point, 2,600 years ago. It's a humbling of Jerusalem for the purpose of a remnant to return to Jesus, or the God, Yahweh God at this time period. And Nathan, and the reality is the people, uh, the people of God, they thought they could hide their sins. Somehow they thought God wasn't paying attention. God wasn't looking. And sometimes it might seem that way. People might be thinking they are getting away with something and many years will pass by. We know that that's a reality in Christianity. We have carnal Christians where they're doing things that they should not be doing. They think, oh, God doesn't care. Uh, You know, it's not a big deal. And it might seem like God is not paying attention, but he is. And here in verse 24, we notice there, therefore, thus says the Lord, God, because you have made your iniquity to be remembered, that your transgression are uncovered so that in all your doings, your sins appear. Nathan, that just reminds me of John chapter three, uh, verses 18, after John three sixteen, of course, and John chapter three, verses 18 through 20, the Bible says here in terms of uncovering, in terms of light and darkness, he who believes in him is not condemned, speaking of Jesus, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deed should be exposed. And it goes on to say in John 3:21, but he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. And that's what it is. Things are being exposed here in Ezekiel 21, 24, that transgressions are uncovered. A a, a flashlight has been shining now on their sins. And God says, you're not going to get away with this anymore. You're going to be disciplined. And here's how we're going to do it. We want to use the nation of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar is coming. And Nathan, as we read history, that's exactly what happened, right? Yeah, the Nebuchadnezzar actually had three besiegements of Jerusalem. The third and final one in 586 BC would be the last one. And what he'll end up doing is destroy, he'll he'll blind uh, Zedekiah for rebelling against him. And uh, he'll march him off to Babylon with most of the the cream of the crop, you could say. He does leave the lowest of the low class, you could say, in Jerusalem. But he tears down the walls so that it's indefensible. And he makes the land pretty much a wasteland. Uh, by the time you get to Ezra and Nehemiah, a hundred and so years later, now they're still lamenting Jerusalem's condition. I mean, it's it's that bad. 
And that's where we pick up in verse 25. It says, Now to you, O profane, wicked prince of Israel, which Zedekiah here, whose day is come, whose iniquity shall end. Thus says the Lord God, Remove the turban and take off the crown. Nothing shall remain the same. Exalt the humble and humble the exalted. Overthrown, overthrown. I will make it overthrown. It shall be no longer until he comes whose right it is, and I will give it to him. So he's saying is, Zedekiah, your time is at an end. The rule of the Jewish people over Israel is done, and you will lose authority. Even when the Jewish people come back under um, Zerubbabel, who the Lord loves, he loves Zerubbabel and uh, uh, it's, um, Joshua the high priest, even then they're still ruled over by the Babylonians and then the Medo-Persians, then the Greeks and then the Romans, and past the Romans all through time. You know, you got all the way up to the Ottoman Empire and the British Empire, and it's only until 1948 that the Jewish people finally, finally rule over themselves again. But their king isn't there yet. And this is where we get Vic this wonderful prophecy in verse 27. Until he comes, whose right it is, and I will give it to him. Vic, who is that him? I'm sorry, oh, Nathan. Actually, you know, I, I was looking at that too when the Lord returns, right? And I, I was looking at that, exalt him and humble uh, the exalted. And I just feel here, uh, as you were saying, that this is when the Lord returns, he's going to bring everything back into order as he, as, as he comes and they recognize him as king. Absolutely. This is a prophecy in verse 27 about the ultimate king who will sit on David's throne. And that is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Isn't that exciting? We're all the way in Ezekiel. We're learning about the exile of Zedekiah and, and the people of Jerusalem. And there's a prophecy, a messianic prophecy thrown out here that will take 2,600 plus years to be fulfilled. And that's the return of Jesus Christ to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem and rule and reign the earth from Jerusalem. Brother, that is exciting that we've got a messianic prophecy here about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Nathan, and that's what I love about Ezekiel and Daniel, because they talk about the ancient of days. It talks about uh, God who's going to restore the throne in, in the image uh, in the book of Daniel after the ten toes. It talks about the kingdom with no end. And here we find a little glimpse of that nestled in this verse, Nathan, that you just pulled out. I think that's fantastic. Isn't it? It's it's exciting because with the Lord, it, and it's wonderful too, is, you know, he's not saying, hey, you're doomed. This is it. You might as well just go kill yourselves. You know, that kind of idea. He always, always, at the very end of his judgment, throws in a little hope. And it's a hope that, okay, you all are, are just terrible. You've just gotten so evil. But it will come to an end, this punishment, and it will always end with the Messiah coming to rule and reign and bring in peace and righteousness and justice. Uh, we today have that hope. We are seeing Israel the scepter is returned to Israel again, but not yet their king. You, we've seen how the Knesset, just in the last few years, has had five elections. Praise the Lord, Netanyahu is the prime minister again. But he's only a steward. If we can use another Lord of the Rings reference here, you know, we've got uh, Baromir and his brother. They're stewards of Gondor, but they don't rule over it. They're waiting for the king to return. And, of course, that's what... Uh, uh, Tolkien had put in this story, it was a messianic reference that Aragorn would be the human king who would come and rule and reign for, for hundreds of years over the country. Well, that's a pointer, that's just a, an allusion to Jesus Christ, the divine king who will come and rule and reign, and the Knesset will be no more, 
There won't be a need for a prime minister. Jesus himself will rule this earth from Jerusalem. And 2,600 years ago, we've got this prophecy right here about him. Nathan, that's what's exciting about Scripture. That's why we, we, we encourage people to turn to God's Word, because the more that individuals study the Bible and they see the connection of these verses, that's why sometimes people say, Nathan, oh, I don't read the Old Testament. I'm a New Testament person only. And I'm saying to myself, really, you're going to miss out a lot if you don't read the Old Testament. That'd be like reading a mystery book, but only the last chapter and missing all the chapters that lead up to it. Sure, you know how it ends in the New Testament, but then you miss all the what builds up to it, all the insights and, and understandings. Here, what we see here is that the Lord has been working for thousands of years to show the world that human government is flawed and fail and insufficient. Mankind is not worthy to rule over ourselves. We've had bright spots throughout history, certainly the foundation of the United States on Judeo-Christian values. But ultimately, all authority will become corrupted. Brother, we live in a time where corruption is rampant in government. But there is a time coming where the King of Kings and Lord of Lords will rule over this earth himself. He will institute his government. And we, who are his children, in our exalted bodies will rule and reign under him as governors and princes and teachers and executives and administrators in that kingdom. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you too will rule under Jesus Christ one day. Isn't that exciting? Nathan, talk about wonderful positions. What the positions that we'll have in Christ Jesus, like Revelation chapter 1 says, we're kings and priests. We're going to be ruling and reigning with him uh, here in the Millennium Kingdom. And I think that that is so exciting. Sometimes people just don't seem to put that connection together with what awaits God's people in terms of authority and ruling and reigning with him. And, and that's what you and I offer weekly to people, Nathan, is that if they turn to Christ and the Holy Spirit opens up their understanding, they're going to get this amazing revelation and then they're going to have a thirst and a hunger for God's word like never before. And the Holy Spirit is just going to open up their eyes and they're going to see in a sense, the Bible in living colors. And Nathan, that's what happens, right? When someone gets saved, suddenly this book that seemed to be black and white now becomes this living color thing. And that's why people often say, man, I, I never understood the Bible before. I didn't know that was there. And that's why you need the Holy Spirit to open up your heart, right, Nate? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's that passage you read about John 3, 16, but after, you know, most people read John 3, 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But they don't read the rest of it. And it's just as important. It says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. All this that we're reading about the punishment and wrath of God is for the ultimate purpose of bringing a remnant of people to know him as Savior and so be saved. Now, not everybody will be saved because most people will turn against them. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Brother, there are going to be millions who will refuse to believe in the Son of God. and uh, They're condemned. They're, they're going to be destroyed, but those who have, have, do believe in him will not be condemned. Uh, and that's just it's so exciting. But uh, Vic, maybe you could tell folks how they can not be con under God's condemnation anymore. How can we get out from under God's wrath? 
Well, Nathan, you made a good point, and you read that verse in John 3, 16 that says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, and that means everyone who is open to it, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I love that invitation because it's blanket. It means whoever. And if you're listening and you're part of the whoever group, then that means that Christ came for you. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, what color, what country, none of that matters. All that matters is that God came and he sent his son Christ to die for your sins, that if you're willing to repent from your sins and turn to Christ, you too can inherit eternal life. And that can happen right now with a very simple prayer. Wherever you are, you can pray this prayer. And if you mean it from your heart, God will move position the Holy Spirit from being with you to being inside of you. And you can be born again, simply turning to Christ right now and saying, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. And God, right now, I repent from my sins and I turn to you, Jesus. Forgive me for my sins. I want to invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, and to be my friend. And from this day forth, I want to follow you, Jesus. In your name I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. And that's it, Nathan, not too complicated, right? If someone prays a simple prayer, they really mean it from their heart, God will grant them eternal life. Excellent. Very, very well. So I hope, folks, that you've grabbed hold of Jesus Christ and made him your Savior today. Amen. Nathan, thank you so much. And we ran out of time for this segment of the program, but thank you for being part of it. Big Batista, Nathan Jones, saying goodbye to the Lord. Bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And congratulations for coming to Christ. says in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life.